Welcome to Sunny in Seattle with your host, Sunny Joy. And coming up on today's show, Sunny will be having a special Soul Digger edition of Sunny in Seattle. So it's been about six months since Sunny started her Airstream road trip adventure. So tune in today to hear stories and lessons from the road to inspire your own adventures. And now we welcome your host for the day, Sunny Joy. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Sunny in Seattle. I'm your host, Sunny Joy McMillan, and we're here every Friday from 9 to 10 a.m. on Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. KKNW in Seattle, as well as 103.3 KPCA in Petaluma, bringing you amazing guests and resources that will help you create a life filled with peace, joy, freedom, and purpose. It is radio that positively shines. And if you can't catch the show live, you can always access the show archives. Um, You can find them in a couple different places, uh, of course, on the radio station website that is at 1150kknw.com and you can also find the show on itunes podcast one and um, pretty much i think most podcasting platforms these days um, so just a quick disclaimer for our petaluma folks the views expressed here are not necessarily the views of Petaluma Community Access, KPCA Radio, or its board of directors, volunteers, staff, or underwriters. Um, so quick housekeeping. My website is goldenoversoul.com. That is goldenoversoul.com. Um, so Benny, it's just you and me today. It is. is kind of fun. Yeah, kind of cool. I get to ride shotgun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, I haven't done this in a while. And when I was looking, creating my fall schedule and got, coming back from that August break, and I thought, I think it has been, I mean, I, I actually didn't do the, the, I didn't look at the actual calendar, but I think it's been close to a year since I've done a solo show. Um, and, you know, it's one of those things where you kind of get in a groove and it's so easy when you have a guest, because then the, I don't want to say the heavy lifting, but it's like, you know, they have, I'm, I'm excited about presenting their work. And so it's me just enjoying their book and getting to bring that forward to the listeners, as opposed to me kind of having to go inward and create content or get a little introspective. So anyway, um, it's about high time that I did a solo (laughs) show again and and kept those whatever muscles from atrophying being on the air. I I hear you on that one. Totally. And I'm (laughs) taking a look back here at the records because that's what crack whipped producers do. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which you are. Uh, well, thank you very much. <laughs> it says, uh, I got a, our last Soul Digger edition was uh, January 15th, of the, the beginning of the, the year. Okay, so almost about, yeah. what would that be, like yeah. eight months or something? Yeah, yeah. so you were, you were right there. Yeah, something like that. Well, okay, good. Then then this feels, well, it feels timely for a number of reasons. Um, but it, anyway, before, I, you know, I told you before we went on air, I thought in the spirit of what I wanted to talk about today, I actually have a question for you. But before we get into like the in-depth question, like how's everything generally up in Seattle with you and all that good stuff? Everything's peachy. Uh, everyone's kind of like back in the swing of things. Schools are opening up, so to speak, for some for many of the areas and districts around here too. Uh, there's the mm-hmm. choice of whether to stay day or go to school so um yeah it's super fun obviously traffic's getting a little more busy so that helps and doesn't help a lot of folks but (laughs) you know yeah Yeah, well i I will not be uh very long before i get to dip back into seattle and experience that myself we were just telling uh, i was just telling you about i think our dates are 
um, I, they're not set in stone, but they're pretty firm um, because we wanted to coordinate yeah. with the friends and family we have there. But it looks like I will be able to be in the studio on September 24th. So I look forward to getting to see your smiling face. I'm so happy <laughs> the stars are finally aligning after all this time. Across the table instead of across the Zoom line. So <laughs> well, we could hook up a Zoom if you really want to. <laughs> it makes it feel more comfortable. Oh, no, I'm just excited because there's just, I as much as I am so grateful that we have this kind of a zoom connection there is just something about the energy of being in the physical space with you or with a guest or yeah. um it just yeah the, the energy of kk and w and being up at hubbard radio again so i really look forward to that that was a well thought out answer i appreciate that that was very good <laughs> can't thank you enough we love having you well, thanks, Betty. And so <laughs> then turning more to like our theme for today. Um, so um, before I ask you my question, just to kind of preface things, I I had decided to do, you know, now that we've been on the road for six months and I've, I've learned so much, I, it really, there were things that I expected would happen that haven't unexpected things have, of course, come up. And that's just the way of life, I, I believe, or that's what I've come to believe. Um, but it really has many of the unexpected things have challenged my, um, you know, my courage and my faith and um, my clarity about what's, you know, what, where I'm going and what I'm doing. Um, and so it, it just felt like a good time to reflect back and share some of that. So when I sat down to do my outline about lessons from the road or some stories that I felt would be relevant, it really ended up turning into more of like a prologue to lessons from the road. So maybe I'll do another show in several months about that, like lessons, you know, one through five or something. Um, but because this turned into a prologue, what that looks like to me is the answering a call to adventure because going on this road trip really was answering a call to adventure. And I think, you know, there's a reason obviously that Joseph Campbell's work and the hero with a thousand faces and talking about the hero's journey resonated so deeply throughout the world. Um, I think we all relate to these calls to adventure and, and not everyone answers them. Um, or I mean, I haven't answered all the calls that have come in my life. Um, I'm getting better about it, I think. Um, but so Benny, in the spirit of that, I am, I'm curious before I dive into kind of my own take on this and what's happened for me as we've answered this call to go on this road trip adventure, um, because I want this to be inspiring for other people or to give other people the courage to answer their own calls. I'm curious if you have ever had any calls to adventure in your life. And when I say that, I mean by that, you know, uh, taking a brave step away from something, um, leaning into something new, taking, it could be as simple as a week-long vacation or something as big as like with me, for example, leaving my marriage, that was a call to adventure of sorts. So, uh, Benny, have you ever answered a call to adventure? And do you mind sharing a little bit about it? If so? Yeah. I mean, there's a few of them. Uh, I mean, just recently was the trip east, uh, east into Montana, which I've never done before and, and obviously reached that level with uh, my current girlfriend and, and mm -hmm. how our, our meetings of the families and, and how our relationship is, is gone and it's gone a lot farther than my previous ones. That would be a really yeah. pretty good step too. And also uh, allowing it to happen. And, and, you know, age is a big deal because, you know, when you're younger, you kind of feel like, oh, I don't really want to do that. But like, you kind of have to when you get older, though, you, you accept more and you're able to kind of manage it a little bit easier mentally. Um, yeah. And also, you know, with my uh, history, you know, 
as far as with my boy's uh, mother and stuff like that, that was a big step to to separate from that relationship. And that was really big and yeah. was on my brain for quite a while. And it was just something that I felt was necessary. And, you know, we're still moving along forward and making things beautiful and bright and shiny for the families. So, yeah. You know? Yeah. See, those are perfect examples. Yeah. See, I, I'm, I, I could guess knowing, I know some of the events of your life, mm -hmm. so I could guess on that, but, um, I really appreciate you answering because the ones that are the, that are meaningful to you that came out in that answer, um, that tells me something, you know, that, that, uh, I, I like seeing what was meaningful mm -hmm. for you and mm -hmm. what you consider answering those calls. So anyway, thanks for being my guinea pig. Oh, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go back in my cage now. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, Betty, thank you so much. And, um, and then I will see, I'm, I'm maybe we'll just see how I'm feeling since it's a solo show, maybe check in at the bottom of the hour to, you know, the uh, nine 30 Pacific mark mm -hmm. and see, take a break or not. Um, we'll just see how it's going. See how much material I have. Yeah. Not a problem. Um, yeah. Okay. So when turning this kind of around back on, back on me, um, and what I hope will be, um, inspiring to those of you out there, there who are considering answering your own call to adventure. Um, so as I said, this feels more like a prologue and I was just kind of sitting here in the airstream, staring out the window, seeing what came through or what kind of popped into my mind and you know it was interesting I didn't expect it to go this way and I um I had a memory um of many moons I say many moons ago but you know this would be like 10 or 15 years ago um when I was still married and was in that life that was the life you know as I've said, I think many times in the show, it was a life lived more for my social self than my essential soul self, or, you know, it was a life lived more based on cultural expectations versus my true nature. If you want to put it in Martha Beck terms or kind of the way that I've come to call it, it's my, I was living a very human life versus a soul centered or soul aligned, soul driven life. And it felt a lot like wearing a piece of clothing that doesn't fit. It was scratchy. I knew there was something not right about it. Something was not comfortable. It just, it was not my right life. And around the, I don't, the tail end of that, like I would say in the three years or so, two or three years before I actually ended up stepping away from the marriage, stepping away from, um, you know, my career as an attorney, stepping away from that whole life, that very shiny life that um, my whole self-worth was wrapped up in, I had started to develop a fear of flying. And I couldn't tie it to anything in particular, like an event. Some people, you may have had a um, an emergency situation on a plane and going forward, you, you know, you survive that, but going forward, man, you don't want to fly anymore. Or I think there, there's a lot of interesting research on there on past life memories of having died in a plane crash and then not really liking to fly in this lifetime. So I didn't have anything like that, that I could pin it on. Um, and this is me connecting dots, looking backward from where I sat preparing this outline. I don't think I've ever looked at it this way, or it didn't, these realizations, these dots didn't connect in quite the same way until now. Um, but looking back, I believe that my fear of flying developed 
as a direct result of me becoming afraid of death, of dying before I had really lived. Um, and so there's this, there, I know um, I've mentioned several times on the show, Martha Beck's latest book came out in April. It's called The Way of Integrity. Um, and just as a quick refresher, you know, we're not talking about integrity in a moral sense. We're talking about integrity in terms of alignment of all parts of you. So in the same way that a plane, <laughs> since we're talking about flying, it feels like a good analogy. And the way that a plane will fly, obviously safer and better if all of its parts are intact and it's not missing any wings or screws or bolts or engines, um, your life is going to fly a lot better when you are aligned in body, mind, heart, and soul. That's the kind of integrity we're talking about. Um, and, and I don't, looking back, it's very clear to me, I was not living in a sense of integrity. My body, mind, heart, and soul were not aligned. They were, I was um, living, there were different parts of me that were being expressed in different places, you know, I, and, and it, it just, it felt like a very duplicitous or multiplicitous, if that's a word, um, type of, of being that I had to balance. And so that, again, when you're out of integrity, things start to go um, a bit wonky in your life. And I'm, I'm just going to read a quote from Martha's book, because, you know, as usual to me, she articulates things so well, and it this resonated deeply for me. But um, she writes that whenever you lose your integrity, you'll feel your own unique brew of bad moods, depending on your personality. You may tend, as I do, toward anxiety and depression. This is Martha writing. Um, or you may feel free-floating hostility, itching to punch everyone in your office, family, and zip code. You may have full-on panic attacks, especially during special occasions when you most wish to appear relaxed and confident. Whatever your repeated or persistent negative emotions, try thinking of them as Dante's wild beasts. We're talking about Dante's Inferno. Um, but Dante's Wild Beast, whose job it is to make your life unbearable when you stray from your true path. If the feelings don't go away, even though you're taking your medication and meeting regularly with your therapist, you can be quite sure you're somehow out of integrity. And that really, um, that hit home, that hits home for me because looking back, not only did I have that free floating hostility that she was talking about, oh, and if you hear thumping and bumping, as I mentioned to Benny at the outset, I'm in the Airstream and um, the kitties are having quite a moment right now. So if you hear some thumping and bumping, that would be Action Jackson and Little Missy um, <laughs> making as much. You got to tell the them mama's on the air right now. <laughs> it is so funny. They I tend to get very energetic and active when I am on the phone with either certain clients or certain teachers, or interestingly, when I'm doing stuff on air sometimes, depending on the guest, <laughs> they get pretty funny. Anywho, um, so if you hear that, that's what that is. Um, so uh, back to what I was talking about, about integrity, I had that free-floating hostility in my old life, and I would call it, it actually became what felt like what I believe was rage. Um, and, and the other little component that I was mentioning a few minutes ago, I had started to develop a fear of flying. And I think that the more I stayed in that life, the more afraid I became of dying before, before having lived the life that I knew was possible. And the reason that I think this is because let's flash forward. If that was, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, flash forward to about 2013, 
my divorce is pretty much finalized. I have a good relationship. Um, in fact, a wonderful relationship with my ex-husband. I am doing work that feels like a calling. You know, I'm in the middle of life coach training. And while I don't know where it's taking me, nothing has made me more excited that I have been able to be a student of, you know, to that point. Um, I have stepped into just the greatest love of my life with Chase. Um, and of course, that was a answering a huge call to adventure because it didn't make much sense. The timing wasn't great, all the things. But anyway, I, I was really, I think, living the life that my soul had been wanting. And so um, it's about 2013 and we're in Hawaii with Chase's aunt. She's a huge fan of Hawaii. So she goes, you know, once or twice a year. And so we were lucky enough to get to go with her. And we had taken this helicopter tour of the island. Um, and if you've ever done one of those before, sometimes the helicopter, these are little helicopters. This particular one we were in had no doors. So basically you're just you're strapped into the seat and outside, like right, you know, two feet from you is the drop off into either the ocean or a volcano or, you know, the lush Hawaiian wilderness. And I don't think I could have done that um, back when that fear of flying was developing, even in a huge airplane. Um, I, I, the, the fear was, it just was growing exponentially. So at this Hawaii trip in 2013, here I am and, and I'm in the seat that's right next to the open door. And I remember looking down from the helicopter at this moment and my heart was just so full. There was something about, we were on Kauai and I know that's very, as far as the Hawaiian islands go, that is one that has some pretty big spiritual significance for a lot of folks, as well as I think some vortices. And I felt it while I was there. So already my heart is so full being on this island. And I looked down from the helicopter and was just at complete peace and something clicked and I'm like, oh my God, I'm not afraid of flying anymore. I guess it didn't occur to me quite as much being, you know, in the airplane to Hawaii or, or some of the others, but this was, this was like you know, the most, the, the scariest kind of flying experience I feel like one could have. And I had complete peace. And I just asked myself, I'm like, what if I fell out right now, or if this helicopter crashed, as sometimes you hear about the news, helicopters crash, um, would I be okay with that? And the answer that came forward was yes. And I thought, wow, this is huge. And at that moment, I also noticed because of, you know, Hawaii, it tends to be very lush and, and, and it's kind of like, you know, like Seattle, like there's a lot of greenery because there's a lot of water. Um, and I looked down and there was this mist, you know, that you kind of see in Hawaii. And in that mist was a perfect rainbow that made the complete circle. Um, usually when you see a rainbow, it goes, you know, the little horizon line to horizon line. Um, this was a complete circle of a rainbow. And it just was like this beautiful wink from the universe that, yeah, yeah, there's a reason you're not afraid of crashing anymore. Because I, I, if, if I was to go at that moment and make the transition out of this body, I was finally living in alignment with my soul, you know, finally doing the things that were meaningful to my spirit, finally living in such a way that I was fulfilling some of those soul potentials that I really think that I came here to experience, you know, the, the great love, the work that feels like a calling, um, you know, being courageous in my choices that feel like soul choices, not just caving to cultural expectations, that kind of a thing. So long story long, this is one of the ways that I evaluate my choices these days. When I am looking at doing something, 
I ask, will this contribute to a feeling of having lived? You know, would this doing this help me answer that helicopter question? If I crashed at this moment, would that be okay? Have I lived enough of what I came here to do on a soul level for that to be okay? And um, I'll just say on a side note, even if um, in, in addition to asking that question, I think there are some other ways that you can know if a decision is right for you. And again, this is in the context of answering a call to adventure. Me specifically at this moment, we're talking about going on this road trip that didn't make a lot of sense to a lot of people, um, except Chase and I, I guess. Um, so another way to evaluate whether something is right for you and keeping this in the context of, of integrity and alignment with your body, your mind, your heart, your soul, um, you know, you can ask, you can, you can put a decision up for um, evaluation in terms of how your body reacts to it. Um, we've talked about that a lot on this show, um, that, that, that body compass. So when you are looking at something, do you feel a sense of, of, of in your body of relaxation, of um, expansion, of levity or lightness versus heaviness, constriction, um, and weightiness. And this, Martha actually talks about this. I'll just go ahead and share this as well from the way of integrity. Um, I think, again, she articulated it really well. So when something is in alignment for you, something is um, in alignment with your integrity, your body, as I mentioned, is going to relax. There will be a, a, re a release in muscle tension, but also you can feel it in your mind because it feels like that invisible light bulb moment that aha, yes, there it is. There's the answer. Um, in your heart, it will feel like a flower opening, kind of like that lotus blossom that you see the image of um, quite frequently out there in, in metaphysical and spiritual circles. Um, and in your soul, you feel a sense of freedom, you know, a sense of possibility. And again, that really resonates because when I was making the decision to answer the call to adventure to leave my own life, um, there was that, that quote paraphrased from the Buddha that I would use a lot to check in internally. And it, it reads that in the same way that the ocean, uh, you know, when you encounter a body of water, you know, it's the ocean because it tastes of salt in the same way you will know enlightenment and truth because it tastes of freedom it tastes of, of expansion. And that's exactly what I used back in the day. I would check in with my, it would, it always felt it in my heart. Did it feel more like free in my heart? Did it feel like that Lotus blossom opening or did it feel like a closing down and a heaviness? So that's just one other way, you know, instead of just having the helicopter question, but um, so back to the, back to the kind of through line here. That, that was one of the questions that I asked myself when we were preparing for this road trip adventure. Um, you know, my, my human said, this is not a good time to scale back your work. Um, you know, the, how are you going to explain this gap in, you know, your resume, so to speak? Now, mind you, I'm still working a couple of days a week. So it's not like it's this huge thing that is a, huge, a big concern in terms of a gap. But still, it's something that I'm thinking about in my divinity school applications. How am I going to talk about this? Um, and of course, the human says, oh, my gosh, you should be saving money, not spending money, because this is a bit of a sabbatical. And what about people forgetting you if you are not out there 
um, really being present in your work and writing blog pieces and sending out media inquiries and all that stuff that has characterized my life for the last several years, you know, what if everyone forgets about you? You can't let off the gas pedal right now. Um, and this could negatively and permanently impact your work. That's what the human says. But then when I asked the soul, you know, that there's that sense of freedom of all these possibilities opening up and knowing that this was the right choice. Um, and, and you will get validation on these, these questions, you know, when you answer them. So for us, we said, okay, our stuff is already going in storage. Let's just do this road trip adventure. Um, yeah, this wasn't a cross country move for me to get to go to divinity school. Um, but let's go ahead and, and get the airstream ready again. Let's get her back out on the road. And after the plans were in place, everything was in motion and we were getting ready to leave Petaluma. Um, we were at this little, uh, restaurant bar thing, a place that it's, it's kind of a, it's an old hole in the wall in Petaluma. And there is a bartender there who I knew, you know, just from having been around, but I'd never really sat down and talked to her. And it just so happened several nights before we were leaving. And um, of course my fear was high in terms of my human self and all those questions, you know, Oh gosh, are we doing the right thing? Are we crazy? And um so it was a quiet night in this place. And I actually had a chance to talk to this woman and didn't know a lot about her. And it came up that we were about to leave on this indefinite road trip. And um, I said that we were a little bit scared, you know, and she shared the story of her own parents um, who uh, had worked really hard for a really, really long time with this dream of when they retired um, getting the RV out and going on the road indefinitely, um, so that they could be together. And so they worked and they worked and they worked. And there were times when they thought about doing it and then, no, 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 we need to save more money. We need to, we, it's not time yet. We, you know, we have all these responsibilities and this is, this is just not the right time. And when her father was 51 years old, he had a heart attack and died. And they were just several years out from when they had planned to take this road trip adventure together and be able to get out and enjoy each other and enjoy the RV and enjoy the country. And obviously what happened was he, he died before he ever got to do that. And he was 51, which, you know, I'm not that far from 51. So that to me was one of those just that validation that we were doing the right thing. And, and I, while that is a, a um, it was a very sad story for her family and provided um, there was great grief there. It also has inspired this woman, her, his daughter to um, live more courageously. And it was the story or the validation that, that I really needed at that moment to give me the oomph <laughs> to really keep going on our own adventure. And so I will just offer that up to you that when you do answer that call or decide to answer that call, you will get the validation from the universe. Um, that, that thing, uh, that, that phenomenon that I think Goethe talked about, and he said, you know, at the moment of commitment, 
the entire universe conspires to assist you. And that doesn't just mean the logistics opening up for you. It means the universe conspires also by sending you messages um, to let you know, yeah, if you're, you're making this scary but brave choice, um, we've got you, we've got your back and you will be supported in doing this and, and it, it is the right decision. Um, and so uh, that's, as you were, as you are preparing to answer that call or considering answering a call, that's what I call my helicopter question. Um, and you may want to ask that for yourself. And I just became aware of, um, I want to, I want to give you a whole nother way to look at, or not a whole nother way, a similar way to look at this and to answer that question. And Benny, I know if you're out there, I'm looking at the time. Um, how about we'll just push right on through. And if I, sure, <laughs> too sounds tired, like a plan. maybe we can yeah, call I got it early and <laughs> put music on. So we'll just uh, push right on through. Okay. Um, thanks, Benny. Um, so uh, I have had the pleasure and the honor of interviewing Gay Hendricks um, several years ago on the show. He is the author of The Big Leap. I think that's the work that he is most known for. Um, but I, I just, I adore him as a person. Um, and he, um, his work has been very inspiring to me. And I, I think I mentioned it before. His book, The Big Leap, is probably one of the top five most influential or impactful for me um, in this life this chapter of my life that I'm currently living. So can't recommend it highly enough um, in terms of needing that inspiration um, and knowing how to transcend some of our, some of those self-doubts and those fears that can keep us from really seizing our greatest potentials. So anywho, background on Gay Hendricks, that's, that's, he's been pretty meaningful in my life. Well, I had never heard of this little book he wrote um, that came out in 2007, um, just became aware of it not too long ago from, from a dear friend. And I read, when I heard the description, I thought, okay, I need to pick that book up. So of course I got it on my Kindle immediately. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is right in the vein of what we're talking about here today, um, about how to, some of the, the big questions that we can ask that can help us get the courage and get clear, get the clarity to make those um, big leaps and answer those calls to adventure. So I'm going to share a little bit about this with you because um, it's kind of in that same vein of a helicopter question. Because I think the more ways we can come at these, these, uh, you know, the the more the more inspiration and the more courage we can get toward these calls to adventure, the better. So this one was pretty impactful for me. So. Okay, so the book is called The Five Wishes. It's by Gay Hendricks. And the story that inspired this has to do with a conversation that Gay had with, um, it turned out it was um, Ed, and I'm, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but Ed Steinbrecher or Ed Steinbrecher. He was a pretty famous astrologer. I think he passed away around 2002. So um, he's he's been gone for about 20 years. But um Gay had had the privilege of meeting this gentleman at a dinner party, not knowing who this man was at the time, just knew his name was Ed. And so Gay is one of those folks, much like me, and I'm sure much like many of you all out there, who is not a huge fan of small talk at dinner parties, really tries to avoid it at all costs. And anyway, he didn't really want to go to this party. He shows up and um, kind of ends up in a corner with Ed and 
and they both um, agree that they're not really into small talk. And so Ed says to him, okay, would you like big talk or no talk? And Gay says, okay, let's have some big talk. Ed says, do you want to go first or you want me to? And Gay says, Ed, you go first. Okay. So Ed shares the story about how at a time much earlier in his life, he almost died. Um, And on his deathbed, he had the opportunity to ask himself a question. And this is you don't, it doesn't get more real really than that, than, um, than what the, the, what comes through on a deathbed. And so Ed, of course, ended up living long past that, that deathbed moment. But the question he came away with was, um, was your life a complete success? And so he said to gay. Okay. Let's, let's play this out together. This is how I, this is how I talk through this with folks these days. I stand by your deathbed and look you right in the eyes and ask you, was your life a complete success? And so let's just, I'm going to walk through this, not only with, you know, gay's answer. So you get an example, but also with mine, how we came at this road trip adventure um, and how this, these questions helped me with that. Um, so you know, think about this. If you are on your deathbed right now, is your life a complete success as it stands right now? So if, if you tell, if a complete success, um, what would be the things that you wish had happened that would have made it a success? And so in this conversation that Ed and Gay are having, Gay says, okay, here's the number one thing that would make my life a total success. My wish would be for a long-term loving relationship. And Ed cuts him off right there and says, no, no, no. I want you to look at it from the perspective of your deathbed, put it in the past tense and do it first from the perspective that your life was not a success. Okay. So Gay answers. Okay. With those terms. My life was not a total success because I never enjoyed a long and happy marriage with a woman I adored and who adored me. I wish I'd enjoyed a lifelong blossoming of passion and creativity with a woman. Okay. And then Ed says, now, why is that important to you? And Gay goes on to say, okay, so it's important to me because I've never seen it before, either out in the world or in my family of origin. Um, It's important to me because I think it would be a really rich and joyful life experience. And it's important because here I am with a PhD in counseling psychology, and I'm always talking to couples and folks about having loving relationships. Uh, Wouldn't it be nice to be able to practice what I preach? And so that's why it was important to him. And so Ed says to him, okay, now turn that wish into a goal and put it in the present tense as if this is happening at this moment. And so Gay says, my life is a total success because I'm enjoying a long and happy marriage with a woman I adore and who adores me. I'm enjoying a lifelong blossoming of passion and creativity with her. And so Ed says, okay, is this something that you're actually willing to commit yourself to body and soul? And Gay said, yes. And that was really a turning point for him. Um, This, and and the, the book goes on to talk about, there were five deathbed wishes or goals that he had using that little setup that I just read you um, that Ed gave him. Um, And so the book is really about how he um, actually not only, you know, did the exercise and said what those goals or wishes were, but he actually put them into practice in his life. And now he's on the other side of it. I mean, of course he 
um, I think if you know him, you know, he's had this beautiful marriage with uh, Kathleen, who was a woman he was only beginning to date at the time of this conversation. And instead of caving to fear of commitment, which he'd done many times in the past, he ended up um, uh, moving forward with Kathleen. And now look where they are now. They have they have a huge body of work together. And um, I think, you know, um, they seem to be living it to give it. So um, so that's kind of the premise of the book. So let me put this in terms of, of the, the road trip adventure that we've been on um, and how this, I use these questions to, um, to, again, give me the courage and to validate answering the call to adventure here. So if I was to ask these questions, you know, do the, if I'd had the conversation with Ed using the little model he created, um, if the question is, was your life a complete success? And while, yeah, I, 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 I really feel like I could go today and make my transition. And there I have, I have very few, if any regrets, I've done so much that I wish to do. Um, but if I was going to say, okay, complete success. Okay. Well, my life was a complete um, um, What is it? what would be the things that I wished that had happened that would have made it a complete success? And so one of the, the primary things where I feel like my life is not a total success yet, there are things that I still wish to do. I would answer these questions. And remember, this is past tense looking backwards. So let's say I'm on my deathbed at this very moment, and that's how I'm answering the questions. So I would say my life was not a total success because I let human fears and doubts and cultural rules and expectations keep me from living my soul's yearnings and greatest potentials. I wish I'd trusted my spiritual knowing instead of caving to human fear. Okay, so then the next question or the next little prompt is look at it from the perspective um, um, of the deathbed. And um, oh, sorry, tell me why that's important to you. So why is it important to me that I, um, that I trust my spiritual knowing instead of caving to human fear? It's important to me because I am most inspired by people who courageously follow their heart and their spirit, especially when it flies in the face of culture. I want that to be my legacy, you know, so, so as to add to all the stories that are out there that can be an, an inspiration for future people to do the same. Um, okay, and so now turn that wish into a goal and put it in the present tense as if it's happening at this moment. So if I were to say that now, I'd say my life is a total success because I am living courageously and clearly from my soul in full remembrance that I am a spiritual being having simply a, a human experience. Um, I'm enjoying the greatest potentials my soul saw for me before ever taking on a human body. Um, and so is this something I'm willing to commit to body and soul? Yes, that's what I'm trying to do now. And so from the deathbed goals perspective, this little exercise, this road trip adventure meets that criteria. That's part of how I um, can not cave to the human fear about doing it versus, um, you know, following the soul calling. Ask you now, you know, if you are feeling the call to adventure in some area of your life, whether that is um, leaving a soul-sucking job or ending a toxic relationship or um, 
creating some business or endeavor that's pretty scary or going on a, you know, a week long um, vacation or a, an indefinite vacation of sorts, um, kind of like we're doing with this road trip adventure, whatever that looks like for you. Um, um, think about as I walk through these questions with you answering this yourself um, about what what would be some of your deathbed goals? And that may be, it may include answering a call to adventure. Okay. So I'm just going to turn this on you. I'm standing by your deathbed and you're on your deathbed at this moment, hypothetically, and I'm looking you right in the eyes. And I ask you, was your life a complete success? Now, if it's not, if you don't feel like it's been a complete success, what would be the things that you wish had happened that would have made it a success? And remember to, to answer this in the past tense, perspective of the deathbed. My, and so you can answer it this way. My life was not a total success because, and you fill in that blank right now. I wish I'd what? You fill in that blank. And once you've filled in that blank, why is this important to you? Why is what you wrote down and filling in those blanks important to you? And you may have several reasons there. And I'm not giving too much pause time because dead air space is not great for live air, but you can come back and listen to the recording. Or of course, you know, you can find it. This is not my work. This is Gay Hendricks, but this was something that was really inspiring to me. So I'm sharing it here. Um, and so finally, now turn your wish into a goal and, and you put it in the present tense as if it's happening now. My life is a total success because I'm enjoying what? And answer those questions. And um, so again, just for um, identification, this is from um, The Five Wishes, a book by Gay Hendricks, where he's recalling a conversation he had with um, Ed Steinbrecher. Um, so all that to say, this is, these, are, these are ways that you can um, really evaluate whether decisions are right for you in answering big calls to adventure that require courage, they require clarity. Um, and so now I, that was more the prologue, as I mentioned, and we'll spend, I guess the, this is, um, we'll spend the remainder of the time. I want to turn to, you know, once you've answered that call, it can be pretty darn scary. Um, you know, once we got on the road, like we answered this call, if you'll remember way back in April, like right when we were about to leave, it became clear that we probably needed to replace our tow vehicle that tows our little Airstream around. Um, and that was not something we had planned for. And oh goodness, you know, that's just, it, getting a, a new car can be, can be um, a pain for a number of reasons. Um, it can be a scary decision. It can, it can be logistically a nightmare depending on what, you, what your needs are. You know, and we have very particular needs when you're towing an Airstream. There are only a few cars that can do so that are out on the highway that can do it safely. So that limits our choices. You know, anyway, if you remember back, my goodness, we were, our trip was on pause for a while. And then of course, several days into our trip, we find Movi. She runs out into the road and and that whole adventure began of whether we keep her and then placing her with a dear friend and then that, you know, the, that not working out. And so going back to get her like, oh my goodness, this, the, once you answer the call, man, the stuff can hit the fan. 
and and you may have very serious doubts about your decision and all of those things. So there has been a tool that has been so helpful to me, and um, um, it is a tool that's from my coaching tradition. And I want to share it with you because once you get out on that road of adventure, um, your map <laughs> may not be completely clear to you anymore. And it's kind of nice to have a little bit of a a light at the end of the tunnel or to know at least there's like a framework in which all of this can fall. This helped me so much when I was going through my divorce. Um, cause it, that, that often felt like stumbling through a dark tunnel, not knowing when I would see the light and not knowing how I would get to it at the end of the tunnel. Um, and it again, helped me on this adventure. Um, so it can help normalize your experience and give you hope. So it's something called the change cycle. We actually spent two months on this this summer um, in my little soul digger women's circle um, working on the four squares that comprise this cycle of change. Um, that is really something that all humans go through when you have um, a catalytic event. Um, so I'm going to tell you what the change cycle is, like those four squares, as well as what a catalytic event is defined as. Um, so the change cycle, just to kind of back up here, most, well, our culture, our Western culture tends to have a very linear model of change. So it's like a straight line. So, you know, you're born and you're, you're clumsy, you're little, you're ignorant, and then you move steadily through your life into adulthood toward mastery and success and wealth and power. And it's supposed to be this, you know, just to just keep building, 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 and then you get to success. And most other cultures, traditional cultures, indigenous cultures also have, uh, have a, a model of change, but theirs is largely cyclical, kind of like the four seasons where it's like circle. You know, you have a cycle of life with winter, spring, summer, autumn. And so the change cycle in my coaching tradition, this, this model is very much on that cyclical model of change, which gives much leeway for um, which, you know, is linear, um, for the most part, you try to make it linear. It can be it's pretty darn uncomfortable. And I think that's, you know, that's what our culture expects from us, or that's the model that it gave us. Um, but in, in, in reality, if you have this cyclical model, that's kind of like the seasons, it can be a lot more, um, what's the word? Um, it's just a lot more comfortable. I think that's the way we really are. So these four squares are square one is a cycle of death and rebirth. Square two is a dreaming and scheming. Square three is putting the dreams and schemes into physical reality. It's called the hero saga. And square four is when you reach the promised land, when, you know, you've taken the dreams and schemes, you put them down into physical reality and everything is working pretty well. That is the really short of it. Um, and you enter these, this, this square one, the cycle of death and rebirth, when you have a catalytic event. Um, and when I say catalytic event, I'm talking about those kind of life events that you have that change the nature of your identity, like a normal event or a normal change can allow you to remain in kind of your usual pattern of activity, usual definition of who you are. So let's just say, um, you know, you have a roommate that moves in with you. Yeah, there's some change with that, but chances are, you know, it doesn't change your very identity. It doesn't change 
how you go about your life, you know, whether you go to work, change who you are, like divorce, for example, or getting married, um, having a baby, losing a child, um, you know, you get promoted or you lose your job, you go bankrupt, you win the lottery. I'm talking, these are, these are big ones that I'm saying right now, but this, that's the vein that I'm talking about. Um, for example, adopting a dog can be one of those catalytic events too. Um, and sometimes they're, they're, they're defined more by shock. They come from um, outside. They are something, you know, your spouse says, I'm leaving you. And that's completely unexpected. Or um, you realize your entire life savings has been gone up in a Ponzi scheme. Um, or sometimes they come more from opportunity. And, and this is something that, that you are presented with um, like, oh, you get that promotion or, or for example, uh, us, the opportunity to go on this road trip, um, that kind of a thing. Um, so answering a call to adventure, like going on this road trip really is a catalytic event. And that was going to, whatever the catalytic event is in your life, that's going to kind of start catalyze this, this four squares of change, launch you into square one, Remembering that square one is a time of death and rebirth, like death of the old identity, birth of a new one. Um, and so I'll just say for me, of course, the divorce is a very obvious one that I went through, but I want to use this in the context of what's happening in my life right now. So, you know, you can apply it to your life. Um, not getting into divinity school was a square one of sorts um, because we packed up our life in hopes of starting something new, um, you know, academically. And then, surprise, I'm not going to school. I am now have all of my belongings in storage and um, scaling back my um, schedule considerably. And oh, surprise, here comes a dog as we hit the road. <laughs> and that completely turned our schedule upside down. It turned our life upside down in a lot of ways. Um, and so there is this, there is this time during square one, it's called the death and rebirth square because you've got to grieve what's dying. And there's also some fear and some thoughts that come along with it. Um, so you got to disbelieve those. So square one is really a time of grieving and disbelieving uh, in that time of death and rebirth. Um, I had to grieve not getting to start school when I wanted to, you know, what my human self really wanted there. Um, I had to also grieve, you know, that, that the way that our life was before Sweet Movi um, really changed everything and added a whole layer of, of um, energy, a whole nother being, a, and not just any being, a really, um, my goodness, she is a, she has a lot of depth. She is a, as I've said, she's magical, but part of being magical means like she is her own being and she has, I think her own soul agenda. And so merging that with our kids in a 25 foot airstream with our own lives and everything, like all those, all of that to say, um, there was, there were some things to grieve that life was before because things were pretty just easy, comfortable, normal, and then everything had to change. Um, and then, you know, there's a lot of that, as I said, you're, you know, in square one, it's about grieving and disbelieving. Um, and so disbelieving all those fear-based thoughts that were coming up, like, oh gosh, is this the right time to be taking this road trip? And oh my goodness, our lives will never be the same. And oh goodness, um, you know, what if we're making, what if we're making permanent 
um, damage to our careers by doing this, that kind of thing. Um, so there was a lot of grieving and a lot of disbelief. And in your own square one, and after you have that catalytic event in your life, whatever that is, um, you, you will have your own grieving and disbelieving. And the mantra in square one is, I don't know what the heck is going on. And that is okay. That's part of being in square one. But thankfully, and here's the light at the end of the tunnel that I want to share with you. Um, you will get through square one. Things will settle. As long as you do your grieving and you do your disbelieving, you will move to square two. And that's the dreaming and the scheming. It's a space where the mantra is there are no rules and that's okay. Because this is like, how big can you allow your imagination to get? And this is us now from the road envisioning, okay, what is next? How good are we willing to let it get with sweet Movi? And, and now that things are settling and uh, you know, we have routines in place and then we're looking toward, um, you know, coming off the road at some point and reapplying to divinity school and, and chase returning to his work and all those things. Um, and so, um, as you continue down through these four squares of change, of course, there's square one is death and rebirth square two is that dreaming and scheming know that square three is coming too. where it's time to put those dreams and schemes into physical reality. That is square three is the hero's saga or the hero's journey really. And it is the mantra being, this is harder than I thought it was going to be. And that's okay. Um, that's probably going to look like for us coming off the road and, and, and me actually filling out divinity school applications again, getting back into a more regular work schedule, those kinds of things. And then know that there is that ultimate light at the end of the tunnel when you hit square four, the promised land, when things are working well, and really you're just tweaking for efficiency. Um, the mantra there is that change is happening and that's okay because life really, uh, the, the rate of change and the amount of it is accelerating exponentially around us. And so, um, yeah, um, change is probably one of the only constants in our life. So no, if you are in your own square one, if you're answering a call to adventure, that is probably a catalytic event of some sort, and you are going to be launched into square one. And just because it's uncomfortable and just because you have fears and doubts, um, that doesn't mean you've made the wrong choice. That doesn't mean you shouldn't have answered the call. Um, just know that that light at the end of the tunnel is going to be there if you continue moving forward. It's kind of like if you if you continue working in that metaphoric wilderness long enough, you will get to the promised land ultimately. Um, and so I found that to be true, not only when it came to my divorce and changing careers and um, moving across country, but I have found that to be true in this kind of mini um catalytic event and, and many experience of all those things that I'm ha having right now from the road. Um, so, so I will say, you know, we've got like a minute or so left. Um, I hope that helps um, in not only as you approach answering your own call to adventure, whatever that is, you know, for us, it was this road trip that we've been on for six months and probably will be on for another couple, but also know that once you answer the call, that things may get pretty crazy. You can rely on that change cycle that I mentioned um, and know that the promised land is out there. If you can just get through <laughs> all of the messiness that comes in square one, dream and scheme in square two, put those dreams and schemes on the ground in square three, and then there you go, um, you'll get there. 
Okay, so that's what I've got for you today. I have some other lessons, but I guess I'll share those for, um, or lessons from the road. Um, I'll share those probably, uh, a recap show probably this fall or winter once we've come off the road and then I have some real time for reflection. Um, but Benny, thank you so much for answering my question and, and running the board from Seattle. Thank you, Jeff and Petaluma. Um, and um, I guess that's about all for today. You have been listening to Sunny in Seattle. I am your host, Sunny Joy, signing off, and I will see you next week. Take care, everyone. <laughs>